Welcome to Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Mary, I love that opening. Thank you. AI is great. (laughs) You know, I am just... By the way, welcome to the show, Optimize My Life with Hope, and I'm Rick Reese, and we got to keep Ron Clayton up in our prayers. He's getting some new parts, and um, and so we just uh, pray for him. He'll be back next week, and uh, better, faster, (laughs) jumping higher, and uh, but keep him in your prayers. But uh, yeah, AI is amazing, huh? Well, AI I tried doing it, else. just me, me doing a voiceover, but my house, one, I'm so close to the road, and so dog barks, police go by, ambulance go by, kids make noise. I had to be up at like 3 in the morning to do it, which is why it took me so long to put this together where we have that introduction. I'm like, so I started doing it with AI, so then it would set it up for me. <laughs> He's done a great job. I think AI is going to definitely replace quite a few jobs, especially, I believe, in the advertising industry. They're done, you know, because, you know, being mm-hmm. able to allow AI to to write and voice over, amazing. I think it's a great tool to help assist. The problem is is too Mm -hmm. many people are using AI to do everything for them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I can see where it could be, especially if you're in college and you've got to write a paper. And uh, and that's why I think it's kind of easy to detect (laughs) AI anymore, though because of how eloquent it is. (laughs) No human is that eloquent. Well, there aren't very many humans that are that eloquent. You know, before I jump into the show, huh? Well, you know, it's the funny thing is, is like when you're reading news articles, a lot of it's written by AI now. People put in a little bit of their own stuff, but they now have that where it says underneath, created by AI. Amazing. You know, what a technology. 
you can see, you know, why it's uh, it's pretty, it's uh, it's revolutionary, and you can see why they say it's a danger too. You know, it's good, but it's a danger too. You know, especially in the on the modern battlefield. <laughs> You know, I was just looking at one of your the things that, that you do before we start the show on, you know, we usually talk about travel, but this has to do with wellness. Uh, but what you put together for, you know, the show that you do, Courage Rising and Overcoming Trauma and PTSD with our veterans, that has so much to do with wellness. And it does. You know, I love how you say, and of course, you do that on Fridays at, at 10, Eastern, you know, so if someone's interested, they can just call in on the same number here. But uh, that is just uh, amazing, and I just love how you, you say at ease, troops. That speaks volumes. Well, you know, Friday shows, I want to keep them as much, because Captain Len Kane has been doing the show for how many years? And so I wanted Fridays to be for military, veterans, current is service members, whoever Kane it is. Is Captain still doing the show? Uh, he does his show um, Friday morning or Friday at noon. Gotcha. Oh, so you're keeping Friday military. So all the shows that we add on Fridays is for military and individuals involved with the military in one shape, form, or another, or first responders. And so when I created this program, you know, I had, there used to be an app that I I personally used called Vets Prevail, and it's not around anymore. But it was to help with trauma and anxiety and depression, but it was created in lingo that it was kind of, I'm going to quote my husband on this one, Undo the programming that you've been programmed for in boot camp. Good. So when I create this trauma show, I do it in military lingo that we automatically understand. Oh, that's good. It's like our brains automatically you know, go right there. What is so amazing is how we actually have, you know, you're retired, I'm retired, military, how we actually have been programmed with certain trigger words, you know, that trigger something, that trigger a response of some nature intentionally. And to be able to have a command over those words, you know, whether it be advertising, whether it be, you know, counseling, but just an understanding of those words that will trigger a military person. And that applies in almost every profession. You know, there are yeah. certain words that are peculiar to that profession that someone knows <laughs> that they can say this and, and trigger that response in almost every profession that, you're, that, that people go into. But specifically for us in the military, to have a command over what those words are. As a counselor, that's really important. You know, it's like listening to taps, help, Revly. You know, the minute you oh, hear so you that just, first, You just triggered me. <laughs> you hear Revly, the minute you hear that first note, your your head's automatically in a swivel looking for that flag. 
Yeah, that's the trigger that I have. Seven o'clock in the morning and four thirty at in during in the late afternoon. <laughs> you know, living on a military base. I hear that every morning. Well, I don't hear it in the morning as much because sometimes I can sleep through it <laughs> from sleeping. <laughs> but at four thirty every day, you know, when it when it starts no matter where Brenda's at in the house or I'm at in the house, one of us will say, I know what time it is. <laughs> and it's you know, 4.30 on the nose. You know, me getting up when I first got out, you know, it took me a, rem- a little bit to remember as a civilian, you know, your tornado sirens go off the first Tuesday of every month as a test. Right. But, um, we had them, they did something, and it ended up going off one morning at like 6 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. And uh, Andy still has not figured out how I accomplished this, but we had a waterbed. I look up, I look out the window, it's fine, there's no tornadoes. So I turn around, roll back, roll down, and ended up underneath the waterbed, sound asleep. Because to me, it's air raid sirens. Yeah, I know, huh? Wow. Wow. The sky's not black, Ever. so there's no tornado, so some, something's going on. So I just roll back to sleep, and he's looking for me. He's looking for me. I'm pregnant. <laughs> he's like, how did you accomplish <laughs> that one? I go, I don't know, but you need, I can't get out. You need to help me because I don't know how I got out. <laughs> wow, wow. It's automatic. It's an, it's, it's an automatic response, you know, and... Truly, that actually is control, but mm-hmm. it's necessary in the military. You know, when you're told to do something, you do it without thinking. Yeah. And when you get out, and I know you actually can talk to this, you know, as the counselor that you are and, you know, being able to just give good advice to people is that when you don't have anyone that's going to give you those commands, there's a, there's a vacuum, there's an emptiness. Because you're waiting for those commands to do something. And if they don't come, that, you don't, you don't do have anything. the purpose? And that's where a lot of us fall into that, that dark hole is you know, you you have no purpose or, you know, that identity is gone. You know, when you know, when you're in that uniform and you go to the grocery store, everyone stops and looks. Kids make the comment, Oh, there's G. I. Joe or something like that. You know, you belong to something and you're taught that, you know, from the first day of boot camp is you're a warrior. You're not a soldier yet because you have a past boot camp. But once you finish that, you're a soldier, and you lose your identity and who you are as an individual. And when you get out, that's why so many go back into law enforcement, firefighting, prison guards, because you have that uniform again. You just have that sense of community and belongingness. But it's not the same as what it is in the military. No, it's still an it's still it's still a quasi emptiness. 
because it's like leaving the club. One of the things that's interesting about um, being on base and going to the commissary <laughs> and and just how bases are, are organized. You got this here, you got the chapel there, you got this over here, you got the recreation center there. There is a there is a serious comfort in that. Knowing where things are. Because it's almost like they're in their right place. Off base, you have no idea where anything is. I mean, you're just driving. No. You, know, you see this over there, you see over there, this over there. You know, random, all random stuff. And uh, But on base, you know, there's something to be said about that organization. We took a drive last week uh, to just kind of explore the base, and they've gotten water, you know, they, they back up to the Cooper River, and so you've got water, and they got a pier that you can go out on, and you can look, and, and we saw other different housing areas, and we saw some of the functions of the base, naval um, base, and um, and it was really, it was cool, you know, just looking around and seeing, and, you know, we're on base, and uh, this is where we actually went through, you know, the gate where you show uh, your, your ID card. And but there's a comfort in that. Then we went to the BX and BX and the Naval Exchange, and you know there's a comfort in that. The, the gas station on base, where it's questionable whether the gas is lower, <laughs> but you know it's close. But there's a comfort in that. One of the greatest things, one of the greatest feelings you can have overseas. You know, when you're in a foreign country, is to come to an American military base and see a, see signs, American military base, you know, however many miles ahead. And come to that base and show your ID card and, and go on base if you're in, on foreign land in a foreign country. You see an American military base <clears throat> and to be able to get on that base. And now you see... This is over there, that's over there. There's this feeling of comfort in just being home. And when people leave that, you know, when they leave the military, man, life life begins anew, huh? I always explain it. It's like graduating high school and going to college and getting the real world for the first time. You're like a 20-year-old in a 40-, 50-year-old body. That's a good way to explain it. That's a good way to explain you it. Just, yeah. You just don't know. You know, little you things. Don't you know. don't know. <laughs> you forgot. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a thing also where you get so used to the routine of life in the military because your life is just from in the morning so when you go to bed, it's just boom, 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 boom. Next day, boom, 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 boom. Next day, boom, 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 boom. And then you get out. It's like, huh? Nobody's telling me what to do or what to wear or how to talk. Who are these people? Who are my friends? Who are my enemies? Who are neutral? <laughs> Yeah, 
You don't even know. Because you can assume that, that most of the people in the military are your friends. I mean, I know you, you know me. There's somebody over us. If you wrong me, we're going to tell them. <laughs> yeah, and that's what good, I see about a military base is you have officer's lane or officer's area where you keep all the officers in one little area. <laughs> and you had, you know, young punks like us that, you know, we would um, down at um, Fort Sam. The officer's barracks and the officer's area was right next to our de fact or cafeteria where we ate. Because we have a separate one for, you know, us little peon soldiers. And so we would spread out when we see officers coming out of the barracks so that, you know, they had to salute, we had to salute them and we couldn't drop our salute till they saluted us. So we'd start spreading out. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to, <laughs> it's the only way we could mess with them and not get in trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. That's the only way we could mess with them and not get in trouble. <laughs> and then you get out. And who do you mess with? Who can you mess with? Oh, but sorry. <laughs> I've got a recording here where you said you quoted your husband. I got a recording where you said you quoted your husband, and and, uh, and that's going to be that's awesome. That's going to go in the museum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was mocking him about it yesterday because he was at we were working on moving. And so, you know. Oh, yeah, so that's all done, huh? That's, no. You're all moved in? Not yet. Tomorrow we'll be all moved in. It's a slow, steady pace. Um, no, that's we've good. had good issues time. at the new place. And, uh, like, the hot water heater broke and not worked. So we have no hot water in the house. Yikes. And uh, we've been blessed. Um, his boss has given us all the stuff we need and then we just pay him back oh, nice. as a little at a time. So oh, nice. he got us a furnace, got us a hot water heater that's coming tonight, um, sinks, faucets, little things that we didn't have money to go buy that, you know, he's like, whatever you need, just let us, let me know. His trailer's in oh, my front awesome. driveway right now as we're loading it up. Nice. We have been that's very awesome. blessed. I mean, even... Our local gas station that has like a truck stop. Um, mm-hmm. So we've been kind of eating a lot of garbage. Mm-hmm. And they, um, we stopped and got food for the kids and stuff. Well, they, nice. they saved us a bunch of boxes and they ended up giving us a big discount on the food. And then they gave us a bunch of those take home meals that they have so that the kids have things to oh, lunch cool. on for free. And those oh, meals nice. are like six bucks a piece. And I'm like, wow. thank you. Oh, that's so awesome. You guys have like major favor. But when you do good, you get good. You know, that's one of the, those laws is that when you do good, you get good. And um, you guys do a lot of good for a lot of people every week. <laughs> So, so I got it's almost an expectation. Uh oh, yes. Ron is out of surgery. He's very groggy. 
PT is going to see him be, when he's fully w- awake, and then he can go home. Oh, nice. Awesome, huh? So he Thank did even you, better Lord. this time because they're letting him go home right away. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, wow. Run faster. Jump higher. Able to leave. He's going to be the million-dollar man. Bound. He's going to be the million-dollar man. I know. You know, it's nothing like being able to uh, get out of pain when something's paining you and uh, and to have it fixed. I really feel for people who, who live in pain, whether it be physical or mental, you know, because both, both can get you. I don't know if anyone's well, better or your, worse than the other. A lot of your physical pain is psychological pain. You know, when you have that surgery or you have that injury, mm. especially when you've been in a cast or, you know, hurt your back and things, and you get laid up for a period of time, your mind keeps, because you go to the doctor for regular checkups and they ask you pain levels and they, you know, they keep on about pain. So you start expecting that pain, which is a reason why we have such a an opiate crisis, <laughs> is that we start, our minds keeps going about, you know, that we're in this pain and we expect it. It's like, you know, women... We've got a headache to get out of doing things. If you start noticing, you'll start having more and more actual real headaches because you keep using that as an excuse. That's how powerful our minds are. You know what? And that is the absolute truth. Our minds are so powerful. And like your, your husband said, what is the programming that is running your day? I mean, our minds are just that powerful that a program can actually run their day. And um, and unless you break block with that program, every day is like yesterday because it sticks with the program. And it's It's like living the Groundhog Day. Yeah. It's hard to break out of that. So how does a person break out of that, that program? The first step is changing little changes in your environment. You know, uh, travel, taking a trip, doing it, it really is. You know, use it really is. Put yourself in that new environment, even for a day. You start to see things a little bit differently. You know, going to, you know, for a lot of us, church is another good aspect and being around different people, being around positive people. You know, you are who you are around. Changing your environment. uh, Changing your environment is probably the best way to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's easiest. It's the easiest way to do that. They say travel is like prayer because when a person travels, just like when they pray or they go to church, they get into a whole nother slow down mode, a very sensitive mode, you know, where they can 
you know, talk to their, you know, creator, the higher power. You know, they get into that place. Travel brings them into that place. That's why I say travel is spiritual. Prayer, church brings them into that place where their ego stays outside the door and the real person comes forth. You know, the real person slows down. The real person, you know, looks at the sunset. The real person is looking and listening to the sounds of kids playing on the beach or wherever. You know, the real person and the ego sits down. And uh, well, that, that's the same thing happens You're knocking down that, that um, block that you have. You know, you put up that you're knocking down that you're around, around people you know. You have that reputation. You have that thing that you, you are who you are. And when you go travel, you know, I know a lot, of, a lot of women do this. I don't know about men, but we kind of, like, change your name a little bit or your job. You pretend to be someone different because no one knows you. You know, that's an interesting point. I had to do that when I graduated college and uh, went into the military. I didn't like the person that I was throughout college. (laughs) You got to change, son. (laughs) And I actually consciously seized the opportunity when I was when I went to my first duty assignment to leave that old person behind and go as a new person. And I consciously did that. And I said, they don't know me as the old person because like you're saying, your environment is is not there to help you change. They're not supportive to help you change. If you're looking to be a new person, they're not there because they're locked in just as much as you are to the old person. And here now you're trying to, you know, be new. Like, no, you know, you're this way. <laughs> you know, this is how we see you. This is how you better be. And we're not going to, we're not going to be flexible. To it. So I recognized that opportunity when I went to my first duty assignment in, in Ohio, right Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. I said, I'm going to go there as a new person. I'm going to leave the old person in Massachusetts. And uh, and they're not going to know the difference. They will meet me this way. They will assume that I'm this way. And I will be a better me. And that's what I did. And I didn't go back. I, you know, as much, up and down a little bit. But I didn't go back to that that person that I was, you know, and, um, and I totally changed because the strength of me wanting a new life, a new image, tired of the old person, you know, and this guy can't, is not sustainable. And I was listening to something where um, I was watching this special on George Michael, the singer that committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in the special, he was talking about, you know, as a kid, he just wanted to be recognized. He wanted to be famous. He wanted that. Uh, and, uh, and he created George Michael, because that wasn't his name, you know. But he created that person. And, of course, that person 
went on, even though the same person went on to be successful. I mean, like, majorly successful. And, you know, it's amazing because a lot of these entertainers, they peak out in their success, and now it's like downhill. (laughs) So he started going down, you know, this happening, that happening, all these crazy things happening to the point where at the end of the show, of course, we all know he committed suicide. But he left a note. He said, people don't understand that George Michael had to die. I had to, you know, based on all the things he was starting to go down and get into, that he he was no longer required. And it's like an out-of-body experience, a third-person experience. He said, George Michael had to die. It's like Elton John. You know, he grew yeah. up in a very rich family. He was supposed to be this standard, upright, English, predictable person. And he threw all of that away because he in himself was that flamboyant kid. And he walked away from his family and everything else, one, because he was gay, but two, because he was this exuberant person naturally. And he took him leaving everything he knew and created his own life. The problem is when a person hates the person that they've become. Because it really isn't them. You know, it's a creation. You know, if somebody is holding you down from being your real self, man, it's almost healthy <laughs> to say, ah, away with you and, and be your real self. When you create a persona, a shell of a person that is not you and you're pretending, you know, and pretending all your life, but the image and the person, the shell that you're pretending to be is highly successful and self-destructive at the same time. The poor little you, <laughs> which is my, probably the shy person, is like, you know, sitting in the background and uh, and watching this whole thing like it's a movie. And uh, at some point, you break, I think. You know, and I look at Michael Jackson it, 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 and all those. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of military struggle is trying to figure out who they struggle. are, who their identity is outside of that. I mean, simple things, you know, for instance, you know, my program is based a lot off of my experiences when I got out, you know, the move has been a good thing for us because I've gotten rid of a lot of clothes. Because when I got out, I or going to the store and figuring out what I like to wear. Because people don't realize, mm. you know, yes, you're in uniform. Yes, you're outside of uniform. But on a military base, what you wear out of uniform is just as restrictive as what you wear in a military, in uniform. No, you're not allowed to wear holy pants on a base. You're not allowed to wear, you know, shirts that are too revealing as a female. You have to look apart. Would you say that so, your real Would you say that your real person of who you are 
were you closer to that person in the military or outside the military? You know, for me, it was in the military, and that's part of the reason why I went into the military. I was one of them obnoxious kids that liked everything nice, neat, and organized. I've, I've always been one of those, like, okay, so growing up, the game I'd play with my grandma for fun, we called it Cinderella. I liked to clean. Now, this is years ago, and she would pay me a quarter for every job I did. So, like, if I clean the bathroom, I get a quarter. My grandma. Oh, well, that's working. That's the, who? Who pays you? So, my grandma would give, my grandma would. She'd give me a quarter. So, by the time I clean her house, oh, nice. I'd get about a dollar. Back then, a dollar was a lot of money. I could buy a lot of candy for a dollar because we still had penny candy. And so figuring that out, you know, that's why the life of the military was so appealing to me. I knew when I was 10 I was going to join the Army. <clears throat> Contrary to my grandma not being happy about that one because I was a girl, but so for me it was life outside that was the struggle. I didn't have that order, that regiment that I, and I created that regiment in my house. And with my kids being special the way they are, they thrived on that, everything being labeled. You know, there's always the joke, especially in the Army, is, you know, one of the standard-issued equipment you get when you leave should be a label maker because everybody I know buys one. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had to learn how to keep certain things regimented, organized, but yet not be so restrictive so that when we did do things outside of a normal schedule, they would not have a breakdown. They could handle going to Buffalo and being around all these people and not have a plan of attack of how we're going to do things and be okay with that. So mm -hmm. as I've gotten out and been around, I've learned how to be more laid back. Well, that's good. Because otherwise you would break. <laughs> my, uh, let's see, if I were to ask myself that question, was I, was I more Rick in the military of my real personality versus not in the military? Man, that's a tough question. You did good answering it. Man, for me... I don't know. I don't know. Does the military bring out more of me versus life getting out of the military? Which one brought out more of me? I don't know. I can't even answer the question. I um I don't know, I, I see them almost as two separate things that required Two separate abilities. Which was better? Man. I guess I could look. Was I freer? That is actually, freer? Huh? That is one of the actual questions that we have in our support group that I created. 
that's based with the radio, coordinated with the radio show, when you first get in, the first thing we talk about is that, to help find your purpose and figure out what your next level is and figuring out your traumas is who you are and, one, why you join the military, because a lot of people join the military to escape. And which part of you is be- do you like better, your military or you, to help you figure out your next path and figure out why your triggers are what they are. So a lot of your triggers that you have that cause your trauma, cause your anxiety, your depression, mm-hmm. are based on you not figuring out who you are as an individual. I'm pretty good at it. And you're out of your... Hmm? Yeah, you're the chameleon. Your base personality is who you are. You are happy with who you are as an individual. I'm pretty good at adapting. And so wherever I was, I was. (laughs) With the exception of college. College was a was a crazy time for me because I was off on a party track. If you think about it, I was off on a party track. I went to school in late 70s. You know, late 70s was all kinds of stuff <laughs> right, going on and freedoms and da-da-da-da and upheavals and blah, 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 all kinds of craziness going on. <clears throat> and there I am. It's almost like going to going to college in the '60s, right? You know, it was, it was really just the backside of the '60s, and so it was still that kind of you know that kind of thing. And uh, and I found myself getting trapped, you know, in that place, you know, partying and da da da. <clears throat> Mind you, I'm an engineer, and um, so I was trying to. An engineer that wasn't prepared to be an engineer. Like, I didn't take all the different classes. I'm just saying, hey, I want to do that. And so I jump into it. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm really prepared for this. (laughs) Why? How do you know? Because I'm learning everything real time. People are coming in here with the background, you know, and this and that and the other mathematics and calculus and, you know, chemistry and physics. And I'm learning this stuff for the first time. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of reverse engineering going on here. And, uh, now, and did you grow that, up in a very strict household? No. I grew up in a, <laughs> no offense, <laughs> I got a preface. No offense, Mary. I grew up in an army household. <laughs> My dad was Green Beret Special Forces. I was not go. his priority. You know, that was at the time when it's like, hey, if you, if the military wanted you to have a wife, they would have issued you one. <laughs> so. And I just I was just kidding. That is the joke. But you understand. You understand where his head was. Yeah. You know, even when he got out, he would have been he would have been primed for your program. You know, because he suffered heavily from PTSD. When we walked in the bedroom, 
he had a 45 next to his, you know, on the nightstand. And even when he didn't have the 45, because my wife, my mom was like, you get, you get, what's this doing here? <laughs> we had to be careful when we walked in the bedroom to not startle him. Otherwise, we would find ourselves in a chokehold for real. Because he, he, you know, the things he did in Vietnam as a Green Beret, you know, he wasn't happy. He wasn't, he didn't talk about it a lot like many, they don't do. And, but he did some crazy things that haunted him, you know, to have an alcohol issue, you know, because to try to forget. But when we walked in up on him, even if he's awake, (laughs) do not startle him. You know, just make make your presence known. It was almost known. worse when he was awake. <laughs> it was even worse when he was awake. My husband's gotten punched a couple no times for peace. that. Hmm? My husband's gotten punched a couple times for <laughs> that. He had he had he has he had no peace. And when he slowed down, it, the the demons just you know a lot of times people look at you know our military and and we are heroes for the things that we do but there's a price to pay to be a hero you know and it's a perspective from another person but when we look at our military heroes they don't see themselves as heroes. They just see themselves as, I had to make a decision. <laughs> and it just so mm-hmm. happens the decision turned into something heroic. But it's not like I'm like looking to be a hero. I had to make a decision. And because of my training, you know, it snapped in. And you do, boom, you make a decision. Now, it just so happens that that's what is captured as a heroic act. But they're not heroes, you know. You know, while they're doing what they do, and as we know, you're not thinking about the flag <laughs> flying high and waving in the wind. You're making an immediate decision based on somebody that you know, based on whatever, 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 you know. But anyhow... And so, but that's, based that's on where he very was. little so, yeah, information too. Based on very you know, little we information. Get, you know, civilians don't realize we don't have the information that you that's plastered all over the news. We get a certain amount of information. We have to make the best judgment based on that, and deal with the fallout afterwards. So you asked the question. I grew up in a a. It was tough on my sisters. I had two sisters. It was tough on them because they, it really didn't change them, but they really over, oversaw them as girls. But I was free to do whatever I wanted to do, you know, at a very young age, 10, 11. I was able to do and live whatever lifestyle my surroundings dictated. <laughs> yeah. From 11 years old, 
and just decided to go to college. <clears throat> My senior year, fourth quarter, is when I made a decision to go to college. <clears throat> I was walking by the counselor's office, and there was a flyer up, engineers, $24,000 a year. I'm like, wow, I want to do that. <laughs> and... uh all I knew about engineers was the guys that are on the train. And uh, so, but that's like, I want to do that. And so I learned real time, you know, what an engineer was while I'm in the midst of it. Like, oh, my God, what is going on? But I graduate as a plastics engineer, plastics engineer. I started as an electrical engineer, switched over to plastics. As a plastics engineer from the University of Lowell, Massachusetts, we call it the poor man's MIT because it's like, oh, my, these people are crazy, but, you know, it doesn't cost as much as going to MIT, but it's the same study and level of study. But I graduate commissioned as an officer in the military. Five years later of a four-year program, I graduate. And I'm like, how did I do that? And the reason is I had like a party mentality for five, for four years, <laughs> four of the five years. I'm like, well, probably maybe heavy duty, three of the five years of party mentality. And because uh, that was the environment. But I, you know, when, I, when it counted, <coughs> I did what I needed to do, and I graduated. And so I still had remnants of that, that person when I graduated. And on my first duty assignment, when I got my first duty assignment before I left, which Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, coming from Massachusetts, I said, you know what? I'm going to kill this guy. I'm going to kill this party guy, you know. And when I go to my new assignment, I'm leaving him. In Massachusetts I'm leaving him in Massachusetts because I was getting I was getting to the point where you know you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see and I'm like you know what I got to get rid of that guy <laughs> you, know, you he's taking me down some dark paths so I got to get rid of that guy and I made my my move the move of my life I made my move when I went to my first duty assignment, right Patterson Air Force Base. And, uh, and I said, they're going to meet me. They're going to meet the real person because I didn't like that other guy. They're going to actually meet the real person. So when you ask, you know, was I more of myself? Having gone through that explanation, it really actually brought me to a conclusion. <clears throat> I became more of myself in the military. I actually found myself in the military. And the routine of what we were, we were doing in the military helped me to reinforce who I really was. So that began, that, that formed a foundation foundation of who I am, who I am now. So when I got out the military, after retirement, when I got out the military, 
I had a solid foundation of who I was. I've never gone through that. Thanks, Mary. You're an awesome counselor. <laughs> I don't know what that is in the background, but. I had to make a cigarette. But, yeah, you're, Mary, you're um, an awesome counselor. Thank you for that. I'll have to send you the check. <laughs> <laughs> I found the coolest, the easiest way to do it to get you to figure it out is you answering your own questions, but do it in a story format through memories to get you to figure out the end result. You know, like most people think that you going to a therapist and talking about the trauma is going to help you. But a lot of times that trauma, that experience makes it worse. As long as you know deep down inside you what those issues are, it's all that's important. And you can put those to issues put together with what your body's going through and your mind's, you know, you take your mind and body and put it together, you start to understand the warning signs. One of the things that, you know, having just explained what I just explained, I went into the military with the foundation of knowing who I am. Most people don't do that. They don't really know who they are when they come into the military, you know, and they become whatever, 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 whatever it is. But, the, well, I don't know if I can actually say that totally, but I don't know if you get what I mean. But the foundation that I, when I went to the military, it gave me, I knew who I was, you know, and I wanted, who I wanted to be. And so I was very comfortable with that throughout my entire military career. And when I retired, you know, even though, you know, leaving that environment, I was the foundation. And I had a solid foundation. When I retired and I was no longer in that environment, it wasn't as impactful on me as it, you know, as it turns out to be on a lot of people because of the foundation, you know, that I had and the desire to be that person. <laughs> and also, you just answered. Uh, you basically just answered the question of why some people have a harder time transitioning out than others. The ones that come in with a solid foundation of who they are as a person, other than the soldier, deep down they know who they are, are the ones that transition out a lot easier than the ones that go in as a clean slate. Now, a military perspective, those people with a clean slate that have no idea of who they are, are what the military considers an ideal soldier because they can mold you into anything. <laughs> you know, that is absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Uh, they can mold them into anything. That's the ideal soldier. When there's a clean slate and uh, and the military says, okay, this we're going to define who you are. You're this, 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 and this. And so now when the person retires, you know, they don't have that. And they're, like, struggling to make an adjustment. But when a person comes in knowing who they are, <clears throat> they're, like myself, I was able to make choices along the way. Because of the foundation of me knowing who I am, I was able to make choices. Do I want to do that? Nah. <laughs> 
So when the military made demands on me, and actually knowing who I am, I actually make conscious choices. Okay, I'll do that. But I'm not going to do that. I'll do that. But I'm not going to do that. I'll become this. But I'm not going to become that. That's my entire military career. Now, the first couple of years, I had to figure that out. You know, because now, you know, it's like, okay, this is a new environment. What's going on here? Who are these people? <laughs> you know, what is this hierarchy system that I'm in? Hierarchical system. You know, how does one advance? What's recognized as important? So first couple of years, I'm just figuring this whole thing out. Like, oh, and once I figure it out, I'm on my way to general officer. <laughs> And, and you it was a little earlier. harder for you to rank up compared to a lot of the soldiers during 9-11. Because you were you it was harder to what? To rank up during peacetime than it is during conflict time. Uh, no, there really for me, there was no difference. I mean, I was I was ready... When the when the Gulf War broke out, I was flying satellites, and we had launched the GPS satellite constellation, which gave the warfighters an advantage on the battlefield of location, and they were they was just part, starting to put the GPSs in land vehicles, planes. I mean, that was the time when we actually transitioned to having a GPS unit, foot soldiers. And uh, before that, they thought this was geek technology. And they said, you guys are just a bunch of pencil-neck geeks. <laughs> That's what the Army called us. And the they kind of still do a little bit. <laughs> well, but until they realize the battlefield advantage of positional information, navigational information. Then they started to say, oh, my God. One of the problems today is that the world has access to this information. It's a good thing, but it's a bad thing when you're looking at how it levels about a battlefield. Everybody's got, oh, yeah. you know, vocational information. And many of them are using ours. <laughs> You know, to launch things against us using our information. But anyhow, so I forget why we were talking about that. But so, but, oh yeah, for, for so so here I am launching GPS satellites, but saying when when the war broke out, I'm going in in country. <laughs> Let me get my rifle. I'm going in country. I mean, it was just that like, I gotta go. And then I came home that night, and I said, well, I was looking at my kids sleeping in bed. I'm like, well, you know you actually are doing your contribution to the battlefield, you know, by launching satellites where you don't necessarily have to volunteer to go in country. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I was ready to pick up a rifle and go. When the first Gulf War broke out, but you know, that's just uh, that's just the power of of service to our country. 
You know, it's just what we do. <clears throat> but, you know, go ahead. But one of the things that is therapy uh, for me now, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask you that. What's that, my therapy? <laughs> Well, you know, with everything going on and, you know, you are always, like, I'll, I call you my Jiminy Cricket because, you know, I get stuck in a, a mindset or in a, I, of which direction to go and what to do sometimes. So I'll call you to get some little advice. And you're always that laid back. You don't let all these little things bother you all this, you know. You have this ability to see the neutral ground at all time, at n- most of the time. I do. I do. And it's probably more having learned it's not as bad as it looks. And there is an answer if I take a moment. You know, there is an answer. And uh, to not respond or react, to get out of the reactionary mode and, uh, and to be the leader and to understand and to know and to pray. And, um, and it keeps me balanced. It keeps me balanced. And to understand, you know, that... Listen to your inner voice. Listen to your feelings. And um, and just be able to just, just go with that inner voice. And that becomes something that we can pass on to other people. You know, the inner voice becomes a teacher that, um, that, gets, that gets information from another source. You know, so instead of reacting, listening for that inner voice, for direction on what to do, how to do, when to do, and um, and to be able to pass that on to other people, that way we become a conduit, you know, for information, and even more important information, for feelings, and how to feel. We're coming at the end of the show. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, Mary. Always a pleasure. And um, this is a travel show, but it also is health and wellness. And so we talked health and wellness today. And so thanks, everybody. And uh, thanks, Country Boys. And uh, we'll be seeing you guys, and we'll keep Ron in prayer. As the show comes to an end here, we'll keep Ron in prayer. Thank goodness he's out. And can't keep a good man down. And we know you can't keep Ron down. So, adios. Thank you. Thanks, Mary. We'll see you. See you guys.